Welcome to Smart Lavy, a podcast where two stars from Arrested Development and a guy from Two and a Half Men get together to recap Prime Video's Invincible. I'm Alex. Hold on to that. That's a good idea, though. Uh, I'm Justin. <laughs> Too many dudes. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about the season two premiere of Invincible. It is live now Woo-hoo! on Prime Video after many, many years. Literally, it's been over two years since the first season. And Man, it has it been? I know. It's crazy right? it's been that long. How They've given us work? some teases. They gave us one episode, what, was that this some past summer? That was yeah, nice with Adam summer. Eve. We got the Adam oh, Eve episode, yeah, that's right. Great. We talked about that, came back for that. But in terms of legitimate seasons of Invincible, it is finally back. Season two, episode one, a lesson for your next life. If you haven't watched it, we're definitely going to talk about spoilers here as we go through the episode. Um, But let's do some recap. We finished off the last season in an apocalyptic way. We found out, well, we knew that Omni-Man was evil. He had killed the guardians of the globe, but the rest of the world knows now he had a knockdown drag out fight with Mark Grayson, AKA invincible as he told invincible, Hey, I want to join you, you to join me. I am a Viltrumite, which is an alien race of conquerors. You are half Viltrumite. That's where your powers come from. We were sent here to take over the world. So let's do that. Mark, of course, said no, and then... That's Nolan, a lot to drop on your son. It's you a lot to drop on your son. I tell news, him that. I tell news. my son every morning, though. You that. should. Like, you should. Hey, Get him ready for that day. You know what I mean? We're destined to rule this earth, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Are we <laughs> Viltrumites? No, no. No, no. no. Just <laughs> what do you want for breakfast, by the way? Just, yeah. So... So, yeah, that all went on. And basically, Nolan, a.k.a. Omnibad, used Mark's face to show him why he was wrong about this, took him, shoved him through thousands of people, wrecked cities, pummeled him into a mountain. And ultimately, though, Mark beat him, I'm putting in quotes here, by saying an incredible scene where Omnibad is like, what will you have at the end of the day? And he says, you, Dad, I'll still have you. That gets through to Omni-Man. Omni-Man leaves Earth. Invincible recovers, but his family is pretty much emotionally destroyed, including his mom. And uh, yeah, that's that's where we're picking up with this episode. Over the course of this one, Invincible pretty depressed for most of the episode. Debbie, his mom, also pretty depressed. But he slowly gets back into the game here, eventually working for Cecil Stedman, not specifically for the Guardians of the Globe, who are going through their own stuff and their own team issues over the course of the episode. But he ends up fighting the Mahler twins once again, who are working with a guy named Angstrom Lady. Sterling K. Brown. Sterling K. Brown, who has the ability to travel through different dimensions. We're getting into the multiverse, like every superhero are they, you gotta do it. You gotta have to do it. I've been just, just so getting important. into the multiverse. Yeah. And by the end, we get uh, some big explosions. Angstrom Levy is changed forever into uh, probably the primary villain of this season. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where we leave off. I mean, you don't have Sterling K. Brown just do one app. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You gotta, yeah. you know, it's gotta be a meteor roll. Yeah, like totally. New brain. And Pete, you're a fan of his work on This Is Us, right? Do you feel the explosion at the end? Was like his own slow cooker blowing up, or oh, how dare you? How wow. dare you? That's uh, hey, that's hey, a good come on. I don't I, even it, watch the show, and I know what that means. Yeah, come on, dude. There's no need to come that hard for the show like that. That's that's rough, man. This come show on. goes hard, man, and that's the big thing that I wanted Truly, to talk about up front. I, as we usually before we move off of this is us, I just want to say. This plot twist in Invincible makes more sense than the 
the pressure cooker blowing up. This is just to <laughs> no, be come on, this dude. is a more. Come on. Um, this makes more sense. Enough of the taking shots at this is us, man. I mean, that show wasn't good. Anyway, hey, what are we talking what? about? <laughs> I, I didn't like it. I couldn't get it. Big shot. Uh, um, Invincible, though, is back. And as usual, at the beginning of a season, I want to get your bead on it, particularly with so long away other than the Adam Eve special. How did you feel about how this picked up? How did you feel about the premiere? Pete, let's go to you first. Oh, wow. Uh, I was uh, overall very excited to have it back. Um you know, I forget about all the actors, uh, uh, all the amazing voice actors they have for the show. I'm like, oh, my God, that's right. Oh, and mm-hmm. that guy is this. Oh, this is cool. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, just uh, it's such a great show. And um, I, uh, I'm i excited to have it back. Great animation. But um, uh, I was a little confused about, like, what was real and what was if we were in a parallel dimension or if we were in our original Mm. reality a little bit. But uh, other than that, uh, it was uh, fantastic. Well, we'll get into that plot point in a second, but Justin, just broad overall thoughts on the episode. I mean, this show's really good. It's they take the fodder from the comic books that we all know, though I haven't revisited in a long time. So like anytime I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a, a, a pleasant reminder. But just from a storytelling perspective, I feel like they're really smart about the way they use the source material and come at it from a bunch of different directions. Keep us guessing as fans who know the story. I, I feel like the way they told this was really smart coming in hard where we see Invincible being evil uh, in a way that is upsetting. And then we end up seeing him be sullen and sad for the whole episode. I was like, it's crazy to kick off your season two with a story where your main character, your main hero is either evil or very unhappy, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it really works. And I, it's bold, but I like that bold storytelling and it keeps the story super engaging because it's not giving us at all what we expect. Yeah, totally agree with that. This show, like I was saying earlier, just goes hard with the violence and also the humor and the romance at the same time. There's so many elements. I I think one thing that I was thinking about while I was watching this one is this is nothing against the comic because obviously we love comics, but I like the room they give for the storytelling here. This is something that, if I remember correctly, Robert Kirkman was talking about at New York Comic Con a little bit, that because they have voices, because it's animation that's moving instead of the still panel, it just paces everything out differently. And some things they can go through quicker and other things they can take more time with and let it sit. And it, yeah, it just really changes the storytelling in particular when you're dealing with Mark being bummed out and depressed here. It's treated in a very different way than in the comic, though obviously he starts to come back a little bit by the end of the episode. It's also an interesting, very gray morality in this world where the end of the episode, there's an explosion. All of multidimensional baller twins die. Many angstrom ladies from across the universe presumably die as well. And Caesar Stone was like, nothing you could have done, buddy. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Hey, happens to the best here, of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, one person died just a lot of times. Right. Or really. two. It still counts. Still counts. Yes. There's the whole argument with the Baller Twins about who is the clone. So it's like kind of one person, but kind of two people and multiple people. Anyway, let's talk about the beginning since Pete was confused, it seems, about that a little bit. So uh, 
basically what happens here is we're starting. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think through the short version. The short version is we're in an alternate universe for the first like 10 ish minutes of the episode. And this is an alternate universe where Invisible decided to join with Omni Man and take over the world. So the whole point of this, though, is we are meeting an Angstrom Levy who was in this universe, was part of the resistance, along with Robot along with Adam Eve, probably a couple of other characters as well, fighting back against him. That Angstrom Levy, right before he's about to be killed by Omni-Man, gets taken by portal to our dimension, quote-unquote, the main one we're following, where the Angstrom Levy who has the power to create portals is. That Angstrom Levy from the dark dimension where Invincible is taken over is one of the hundreds of Angstrom Levies from across the universe that the portal Angstrom Levy is trying to take the memories and experiences of and put in his own brain. Because the portal Angstrom Levy blows up the machine, he takes off the helmet early because he doesn't approve of the Mahler twins trying to kill Invincible. He right. causes an explosion. The experiment goes wrong. His brain gets a little scrambly. And at mm, least too many brains. Of, too many brains. And at least one of the primary brains that does get into the portal Angstrom Levy is the Angstrom Levy version from the original Dark Universe who hates Invincible because he took over the world. So that's the primary thing that's sort of fighting there is he's crazy, too many thoughts going around in his head. He has the portal of powers to go through different dimensions, and now he hates Invincible. Does that kind of does that lay it all out, Pete? Yeah, thank you very much. No problem. Really great. And yeah, it it's almost like you have too many Zalbins in your brain telling oh, you the plot of this episode. Definitely too many TV shows in my brain. I will say that. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. In there. Fair. The multiverse of uh, prestige uh, fading peak TV. Uh, I, I thought this story did such a good job, the Angstrom Levy stuff, of setting him up as a hero, as wanting to do good, save the multiverse from itself. And then the perversion of it by the the plan going wrong. He's sort of, you know, strung up by his own moral compass of like, well, I'll take this helmet off because I don't agree with what's happening. And it, it, it kills everything and ruins everything. And he can't ever guilt is a big theme through this episode. Mark's guilt at what happened with Omni-Man. And then Angstrom Levy can't deal with the fact that he blew all this up. So now he's going to just blame Invincible for all of that happening. It sort of had the vibe of the end of uh, Dumb and Dumber. Something that uh, curses me. Yeah, I'll explain. Uh, I'm going to use all my brain to explain this. When a the, Kara, I, when I the, think the only thing in your brain, by the way, is this scene from Dumb and Dumber. Dumb, you bring yeah. it up. Well, but you bring it up a, a lot. You it's a it constant a touchstone because when I see characters do things where I'm like, ah, oh, you almost had it and you blew it. See at the end of the movie where they they could get on the bus full of swimsuit models to go with them. And they're like, ah, sorry, no, uh, you're going the wrong way. They just stop and give them directions. It's a great scene. Very funny. But it, it, there's something about that that dramatically pokes my brain where it's like, make the right choice, characters. <laughs> But of course, it's much more fun and more interesting if they don't. And the same here, Angstrom Levy set up to save everything, and he makes one mistake and goes the wrong way. Great writing. Can I ask you about – oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, it's also a little bit like, you know, he's teaming up with these uh, people who obviously will murder people at a drop of a hat. And he was like, hey, no murdering. And they're like, okay, boss, whatever. It's like, we know where this is going to go. It really does. It set it up in a way that uh, you knew it was coming the whole time. 
I think the thing is this portal Angstrom Levy, we can call him maybe like the prime Angstrom Levy, is mm. pretentious. He's a pretentious jerk. Yeah, he's yeah. basically like, I'm the one. I can save the world. I can do it. Which, to the point you were making, Justin, that's another parallel we've got here with Omni-Man's plan, which is, hey, 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 I'm going to take over the world. We're going to make this into a paradise where there's no cancer and don't worry about it. All you have to do is submit. That's it. You need to completely yeah. submit to the Viltrumite Empire. And what Angstrom Levy do, is doing is another like flavor of that or what he's trying to do. Certainly the possibility is there of him saying, I'm the only person who can save the world, got the perfect plan to do it. I'm doing it for them. But who knows how it actually happened in practice if the rest of the world most likely is like, no, thanks. We're, we're yeah. good, actually. Not interested. Yeah. Uh, I really like the way this was done too. Like it, the plan sounds good. And then when we see it and see the, all the chairs and everyone sort of hanging out and like talk, making small talk, all the different ancient ladies, it has almost like a Rick and Morty, like making fun yeah. of itself thing, yeah. making fun of the sci-fi of it all. And I think that's a nice tone, a tricky tone to put in a show that isn't like a hard comedy in the same way that Rick and Morty is where it's making fun of the genre. Invincible is the genre of comic book uh, show. So like, but I, they do a good job of just getting close enough for us to think it's ridiculous that they're all in this like uh, weird roller coaster ride of death. I did really like the idea that there were these machines in multiple dimensions and Angstrom was opening up portals to connect all of them and had maulers from each of those dimensions monitoring the machine. That that was a neat building of the whole thing, like yeah. just sort of usage of the powers and the setting. What I wanted to ask you guys about was the this is a greater, like bigger question, but the multiverse of it all. Mm. We, uh, I'll say, I knew this was coming with Agnes Levy because we read the comics, like we've been saying, but. When it hit in the show, I was like, oh, man, the multiverse. We're doing this in everything. We've got this in DC. We've got it in Marvel. We've got it in movies. And I think uh, from my perspective, I think they executed well. And ultimately, that's where I end up. It's like, I, I don't care if you use the multiverse or not, as long as it's about the characters rather than cameos or anything. But what do you guys think? Were you Are you sick of the multiverse? Do you think it works here? What's your take? I am sick of the multiverse, but I think this is the best version of it going on right now because they're not – I feel like so like Marvel especially, but also DC is in their TV shows and movies is like, look, the multiverse. Ooh, and we're like supposed to be impressed. This is saying like we're doing a multiverse thing because it speaks to our larger ideas of our characters. And it's also we're using it as a comic book trope to get to a more interesting story and not as the prime goal of the story. So I think it works in that regard. And the, the, the detail I love the most about the use of it here is uh, Angstrom Levy says in most universes, the invincible goes with his dad and they take over the world and kill everybody. And that makes our mark even more special. So that's a very functional use of the multiverse to make this story even more interesting. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a couple episodes where your multiverse is in the background, but if this is going to be the whole season is multiverse of madness, then, you know, go F yourself. But so far I'm really <laughs> on board and not kind of like, I wasn't like oh, multiverse because of what JT Sis was saying is that it was just a, a, a better way of telling a, a story. So, um, yeah, I just got a little bit confused because it was like, 
you know, the portal jumping out. It was just kind of like, wait, which world are we on? Okay, this one, that one happened, but it, that's not the case here. So it's like more things to kind of keep straight. I did really appreciate in this episode the way kind of like like you were saying, Alex, in the comic, we saw different ways of him kind of joining this kind of uh, group of superheroes, this kind of uh, fake Justice League type of thing and how Mark comes to it. And I like this choice of it being like this thing of like him helping rebuild himself, joining this team, learning to kind of get better and uh, kind of grow, you know, so I think that works really well for him. Well, I think the thing that's most interesting to me about that plot line is this through line of Mark being like, I'm not my dad. I'm not going to be my dad. Don't make me into my dad. Mm -hmm. But at least initially, he's kind of making the same choices he does, where he's not officially joining the Guardians of the Globe so much as as an adjunct working with Cecil Stedman, which mm. was part of the idea there. Like, and Omni-Man wasn't joining the Guardians of the Globe because he knew he'd have to kill them eventually in order to take over the world and was learning presumably everything that he could about them and about everything else. So he was always keeping Cecil, always keeping the guardians at an arm's length. So this is Mark. And we get to see that in that scene where Mark and Cecil sit down at the burger Bart, AKA BM, which is maybe the stupidest joke of the show. I'm just going to say, um, they go hard, bro. That's all this. They go hard. They go hard. They go hard. Anyway, that scene where you're sitting down there and he's like, I'm not my dad. And then he smashes the table yeah. and says, I'm not my dad. And it's like, you, you kind of you are. just I, turned like, right there. into your father. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. But that's, I think that's, you know, a very common thing where, you know, you're like, man, I don't want to grow up like this guy at all. This guy seems like a madman. And then, you know, you kind of fight it your whole life. Well, and I think he's trying to be invincible in these moments when he's going through like a crisis. And what he really needs to be is vulnerable. And that's the name of the show, in my mind, is Vulnerable. <laughs> oh, wow. Maybe they'll change it. Maybe they'll change it. I would three. love it. Yeah. My favorite show, Vulnerable. Yeah, let's write uh, good old Kirkies. You know, Robert Kirkman. Like, yeah. Do you mind? Oh do you mind changing the name of the show? Good. Oh man, I hope he ne- that never gets back to him. Man, that's kind of messed up. <laughs> like right. fresh baked Kirkies, like my grandma used to make. <laughs> oh, I got some Kirkies. Hey, come in on, the oven. put some. Re- Put some respect on his name, some man. Chocolate chip carcass. Well, you're That's the king of giving someone an unwarranted nickname, Pete. You can't <laughs> yeah. get behind Kirkies. No. Literally, you scream nonsense anytime we talk about I'm a say that for now, like, Whatever anybody says, Robert Kirkman on this podcast, I'm gonna go, Kirkies. Yeah. <laughs> Pete cannot be mad about that. Yeah. Let, let's talk about uh I'm waffling a little bit between two things here, but why don't we talk about Debbie while we're talking about emotional storylines, because she has a big through line here. Her big thing at the end of the last season, in case you don't remember, is while the big fight between Omni-Man and Invincible was being broadcast pretty much the entire world, she got to see Omni-Man say that he thinks of her more as a pet than a wife. Not great. He loves her, but like the same way you would love a pet. That is awful beyond the fact that she had been married and had children with the worst supervillain the Sim Worlds had ever seen. He is gone. She is now single parenting. So a lot of stuff on Debbie's shoulders here. And for readers of the comics, I think, you know, it doesn't get better anytime soon. If I remember correctly, she had one of the most awful arcs and i say this in terms of just like oh my god leave debbie alone like just let things get better for her for a second um so what do you think about her in this episode and what she was going through 
I mean, it, it is like a, a stressful, a lot of things happening where it's like, ah, she's going to be as much as this episode is about Mark dealing with the fallout from the last episode. Her, you don't even get the sort of intimate understanding. You just see her feeling all these bad things. Olga comes over. She is not super helpful, is sort of helpful. But like, I don't know. It just feels like she has no path forward. And so that's set. hard going to be hard to watch, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's super powerful. Um, you know, I think they did a great job, like, acting-wise, um, you know, even though it's animated, but really just kind of feeling it, you know, just like the shots of her with her kind of back to the camera, just kind of, like, really powerful stuff. I mean, that's the thing, like, uh, you know, you think you marry somebody, you find out something else, it's fucking heartbreaking. You know what I mean? That's, uh, you know, you can put that on a lot of different things. But, yeah, um, failed marriages are awful. So, like, that is kind of a worst-case scenario. Uh, I I guess it, maybe it's a little bit easier if you're like, well, he was a super villain from another planet. But still, it, you kind of feel like, an, especially when someone calls you a pet. I mean, that's rough. Yeah, that's rough. And I think I I know I said this before, but I think the other thing is rough that it sort of feels like you were aiding and abetting the world's worst criminal. It's like if you were married to somebody and then suddenly found out they were Hitler, you'd be like, I'm associated. What could I have done? And you go back through every single thing that has ever happened between you where maybe you could have stopped this from happening at some point. Um, But of course she can't. Uh, And the last thing I'll say about it is I just really appreciate the differences between how Debbie and Mark are handling the situation emotionally. It's very different for her because she's in different circumstances than it is for Mark. And I think a lesser TV show would equate them. They'd be like, we're feeling Mm -hmm. the same thing when they're not. Uh, Yeah, I mean, again, it goes back to guilt, I think, to what you were saying. I think she's going to be dealing with the same thing. And I guess I should also say that I love both of you, but I think of you as my pets. (laughs) Well, it looks like uh, we're done with this show. It was fun run. We did (laughs) what was that? 15 years together? That's the line. Call me your fucking pet, man. Rub my belly, man. Rub my belly. You're lucky you're in a different location than me. Alex is into it. I'll Do you have any treats? I would love a treat. Ah, uh, Pete, I'll don't show be you mad what kind here. of pet I am when I Pete, fucking see you in real life, Pete, motherfucker. Pete, you want a little Pete treat? Here you go. <laughs> Come on, Pete. There's no coming back from this, man. Oh, wow. I gotta go. I gotta find somebody who open a portal for me because fuck this whole world now. Oh wow, that's a big statement. Great. Uh, let's talk about the Guardians since they're going through a lot of stuff this episode as well. There's a very fun sequence where they see him fight. Giant, this enormous creature who's yeah, wrecking the city, <laughs> and the giant is actually a kid. So they're like, yeah. "What are your demands?" And he says he wants to be an astronaut and president of America. Yeah, it's very funny. funny. Just a great yeah. bit. Yeah, uh, that fun. was really good. And then the other, we get a lot of other things that are going on here. I think the main emotional thrust is robot who is now in a younger cloned body of Rex Blood is dealing with human emotions like fear for the first time, which Monster Girl coaches him through a little bit. But we get some new team members, some we one we've known before, one we haven't. The Immortal is now in charge of the Guardians. Another great sequence where Rex completely, Jason Manzoukas completely makes fun of his entrance. Uh, and then Bulletproof, who is basically invincible, if I remember correctly from the comics, without the Viltrumite stuff, comes in and then proceeds to completely wreck 
Rexplode. So fun stuff across the board there. A lot um, of yeah, play yeah. for our guy, Jason Manzoukas. Yeah. Um, in episode play and Rexplode just gets to a lot of um, stage time, I guess we should mm-hmm. say. Yeah, but I mean, he he kills it. It's a fun yeah. uh, perspective. Fan fave. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, it's him being him, and it's why you hired him. So yeah, l- let him get those comedy moments because he does. You know, it is hilarious to be, wait a second. We're, you were just probably waiting for somebody, to, and then you made your entrance like just hysterical. It's fun to think right. about. I mean, yeah. to your point, I, I don't know the production schedule offhand, but I have to imagine that if they started to see what was coming in with the first season or cast Jason Mansukis, then we're writing the second season. They're probably leaning into that a little bit as well. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. it's big time leader, like, oh, who should we have say these lines? Oh, why do we have him talk for like <laughs> yeah. almost an unre- no, I or love it, but it like an amount of time him goes off for yeah. you know, yeah. Yes. Uh, definitely. Uh, well, that's great. We also get a little bit with Adam Eve here. Not too much. She's basically supporting Mark in this episode. Uh, well, but nice here. Yeah, go ahead. Let's talk about this Mark, Amber, Adam, Eve of it all, because okay. I feel like the show is saying is making the Mark, Amber relationship awesome. Just great. Yeah. They get in the same college over the course of the episode. Oh, really God, nice. Adorable. So exciting. In the cold open, we get um, a truly horrifying relationship between Mark and Adam Eve. But it also sort of says, like, they have a relationship. And it has been twisted and perverted in a horrible way in this other dimension. But it's really interesting to have uh, – to see where they're going to go with with that potential love triangle going forward in our main dimension when they aren't giving us any indication that um, Mark and Amber are at all a bad relationship or that Mark and Adam Eve are at any sort of relationship outside of friendship. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. I also think it's, uh, you know, it was a good kind of like doing that whole thing of like, Hey, remember I was in a tree for that, my whole season. You're like, Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, and it, I really liked how it showed the evil Mark in like such a one line. He was like, hey, Eve, looking good. And you're like, oh, oh, that is such yeah, a creepy, gross. like, gro- yeah, like to have it be so clear in that kind of little moment of like, oh, God, I'm glad this is in our universe. Uh, but yeah, it's it's you kind of almost wonder about a doomsday clock cu- counting down for them because I don't know how uh, how well it's going to go. But yeah, I I like how you mean the, the Mark uh, and uh, Mark and Adam even the in the evil dimension. I don't think that relationship is going well. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he, he broke her neck and paralyzed her. So and yeah. he's going to keep but her like a pet in his house. Yeah, I don't like this pet theme that's going on. But uh, yeah, I, that's I not from so. that's not me saying that. That's uh, yeah, well, I just wish you would stop. So your take is you I don't know what your take is. What do you think? My take is I'm worried about our world's uh relationship because it between, seems like no matter what world Between which character and which other character people? The the two new college students. Between Amber and Mark and, and Amber. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think it is interesting to your point, Justin. I mean, obviously we're getting into a little bit of the comics knowledge here, but I was trying to st- reframe it in the no, episode. I know, but <laughs> I think you would expect there to be some sort of love triangle thing. But to your point, Eve and Mark are just friends. That's yeah. it. 
That's the only thing. Like, there doesn't even seem to be an illicit attraction there or anything. There's the bond of them both being superheroes. But I think it was the same thing in the first season as well. So, yeah. And I will say, though, I think Mark's conversation with Eve is what gets him right. It's what mm-hmm. gets him yeah. out of his depression. It helps, yeah. So, or is that partially out of it anyway or on the right path towards something? So I thought that was an interesting that she's the pivot for him. Yeah, there's definitely that. <laughs> but at the same time, Amber and Mark are very strong. Uh, they seem excited to be with each other. So I guess we will have to see what happens. Mamber. Um, what, <laughs> what else should we talk Mamber about? Mamber alert. Uh, uh, I do have one. Uh, wow. I do have one thing. What do you think about Karma Police as the song here? Uh, I'm, I'm a no on it. Yeah, that's a no o- for over, me. Doug. Overused. A hundred percent. And they didn't just use it for a little minute. They no, used they it for so long. Mm-hmm. And it it wasn't there was no like ironic take. It literally was just sad protagonist montage to Karma Police. This must have been one of the writer or producer's dreams to mm-hmm. get the rights to this song. Cause I was like, I thought there was gonna be a take. Cause that's just too much of a, a cliche at this point to really commit to it, but they truly did. Yeah. So there's that a uh, couple of things. Pete, that- you like Karma Police? Uh, I, I, I didn't hate it as much as you guys, but you know. I'm livid. I'm absolutely livid. I'm very mad. I, I mean, Honestly. it's not like one of my best friends just called me a pet. You know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah. You know what, Pete? Why do, I'm going to take you off leash. Get out of here. Go be free. All right. Run great. free, Pete. Yeah. Pete the pet is now Pete the free dog, human yeah. sexual dog. Uh, <laughs> can I go to the park later, by the way? Is that all right, Justin? I'll go with you, uh, but yes, we're going to meet up with some other um, human pets. <laughs> uh, I took a weird turn. I, a couple of things I'll call out. I know we talked about. Oh, oh so yeah. sorry, Alex, yeah, yeah. but that's our life. Yeah. That's our uh, life. I know it took a weird turn that I love, to be clear. Uh, I love weird turns. Like, who knows what's around the corner if you take <laughs> oh a weird God. turn? You know what I'm talking that's about? That's right. That's 100%. What a fun right. surprise. We mentioned Olga earlier. I thought the exchange of her coming in with the knife and being like, oh, if I was going to kill you that way, I wouldn't kill you that way. I use poison. And then they're both laughing, but being a little nervous about the wine. That, that was, was fun. very fun. I love the thing at the end as well. After the explosion, we get this post credit sequence where Mahler, one of the Mahler twins is half fried and he's the only one alive, finds Angstrom Levy. Angstrom Levy has his brains like dripping down the back of his head just like he does in the comic. Pretty gross, Um, but good uh, last credit sequence and uh, overall good episode. Any other moments you guys want to mention before we... Uh, the only one I wanted to give give it up for the very specific sci-fi call-outs of the conversation between Angstrom Levy and the Maulers where he's like, he can only make portals between dimensions, not between different places, mm-hmm. which I thought was like a very unnecessary little scene that was just there to sort of prove bona fides in a good way. I so think I that, that to me is a very – and you feel this throughout, and I think this is a laudable thing, but like it's very – Kirksey, it's very Robert Kirksey yeah. throughout the episode. Kirky, Kirky, that you have something like that where it's a character being like, "Oh, my powers aren't how you would normally expect them to happen. Instead, there's this twist because I sat down and thought, how can I make this different?" And that's yeah. fine because I think it's interesting in terms of he has to physically create the portals in the same place in different dimensions. Otherwise, they'll end up like in solid matter. 
maybe that's a tee up for something that potentially will come and happen later. I guess we'll see. But yeah, setting up the rules like that, it's also very similar to rhythmically, I think, to the conversation that Omni-Man and Invincible have in the bad dimension, where after he breaks out of Beeve's neck, Omni-Man is like, oh, is that what you were practicing last week on all the civilians? And it's just oh, like, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The protesters. Yeah. I agree. It's uh, That is the level of detail that I want in a show because it's not heavy-handed. It's just used well. But again, going back to Karma Police, it's why I can't believe they just straight, straight-faced did a Karma Police sad protagonist montage. Yeah. I uh, Oh, go ahead, Pete. I, I like the Elephant Man. Uh, oh, that was fun. Elephant Man was fun. Mm-hmm. I like the scene of Todd going up in the school and giving Mark a big hug and saying he's there for him after everything that happened for his dad. And then oh. turns to the entire school and says, see, I'm not an asshole. I'm not an asshole. <laughs> That's well just good bully technique right there. Yeah, That was great. With bully rebranding. And yeah, the scene at the end of Immortal telling Mark that he's going to be watching him, yeah. I thought was a nice parallel with the fight between the evil Mark and Immortal at the beginning of the episode where they absolutely smush his head right in front of us in the grossest way possible. Yeah. So there you go. To wrap up, why don't we talk about our invincible moment of the episode? Justin, <laughs> you want to go first? What was your invincible moment of the episode? I got to give it up to the Mark Adam Eve conversation. Like I was saying before, that to me was really well done and just such a small moment in the show, but really big ramifications, it being the pivot point where Mark gets out of the funk. He may have been on the path to become one of the evil invincibles from the other dimensions. But instead, that conversation with Adam, I think, with Adam Eve, I think was the, the way that he got out of it and was able to make a change for himself. Interesting. Pete, what about you? I'm going to have to say the Levy of it all. I think the the fact that uh, we, at the end, after credits, got the angriest Levy and the one who hates Mark the most um, uh, going to be kind of going, gunning for our guys. So I think that's going to be uh, the thing. Yeah, when the Levy breaks, I guess. Uh, I will <laughs> call out... Um, gosh, I don't know. There were so many good scenes in the episode. I, I actually think Mark and Debbie's coming to a sort of understanding where he makes dinner for her. Oh, yeah, that was a very nice. key. The invincible yeah. scene, if you will, per what we're talking about, mm. because ultimately they are on these very different paths and dealing with this in a different way. But they're still part of a family and they have each other. And maybe maybe that's another thing that's missing from this dark dimension that we see at the beginning of the episode. You don't see Debbie anywhere. Maybe she died. Maybe she was killed. Maybe she left. So I think she is another rudder. She's maybe a rudder she for Mark. In a nice place somewhere, living on the beach. You know what I mean? You don't have to yeah, be so dark. That's nice. Yeah. Mojito. Yeah. Mojito. Could be a mojito. My tie is what I was thinking of, but. Oh, nice. In your yeah. words, your mouth said something else. In my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> as it did. Your I do mouth not is have... like, I like mojitos better. Yeah. I, I mean, I do. Yum, yum. Yum, yum, mojitos. That's where... Yes? Yes, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing. What were you going to yes, say? Yes, Alex? You said, <laughs> no. let me just set you back up. You said, you know, mojitos. And then you were going to... You had something else to add. I think so. Well, that's a weird thing to end on. You just said, you know, mojitos. It's, no, you said, like yum, you yum, mojitos. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, Master. Whatever you want, you let me know. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know if we need to do that. Oh, you don't my need to God. Go there. Now I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. 
Finally. All right, Justy, let's wrap it up here. <laughs> if you want to support this podcast and all the podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Invincible. Apple, Spotify, Android, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter slash X, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram, comicbookclublive.com. For this podcast and many more, until next time, for Smart Lady, this is Alex. <laughs> <laughs> this is Justin. Let's get vulnerable. Ooh.